Are you ready for common sense retirement planning advice? Tired of the noise coming out of mainstream financial media that doesn't always have your best interest at heart? Looking for someone who will answer the tough questions that applies to your money? Well, welcome to the Plan to Retire podcast. Each week, certified financial planner Jeff Bowers will make you a better investor, consumer, and help you make smart money choices as you journey through retirement. Head on over to plantoretire.com, that's the number two in Plan to Retire, where you can learn more, schedule a no-obligation introductory phone call, or subscribe to this free podcast on your favorite podcasting platform. Now, here's your host, Jeff Bowers. And today on the Plan to Retire podcast, we have Ryan Burns, owner and president of Stress-Free Solutions. Stress-Free Solutions is a unique company that helps people downsize their home and get ready for another phase in life. It's going to be an interesting podcast for you today. We're going to talk about some of the planning and the process that Ryan and his team use, as well as how they handle the emotions for folks and some of the unique, unusual finds that they have. So with that today, here's Ryan Burns. So Ryan came to us from Lee Fangmeyer with Remax Plus. Ryan, it's great to have you on the show today. Tell us a little bit about yourself and Stress-Free Solutions and what you do. Well, uh, thank you for having me, first of all. My background, I went to Frostburg State University and did entrepreneurship as an undergrad and then ended up getting my MBA there as well. And then I was working for different startup businesses and whatnot. And then um, I was working for Right at Home, which is in-home care and assistance, helping older adults in their home. And I was probably there for about a year and a half, kept on going in and seeing all these people that needed help. And um, kind of light bulb goes off as an entrepreneur, thinking there's more that I can help these people with because sometimes they can't get down those stairs, whatever it may be. So I started Stress-Free Solutions six and a half years ago. And it really started with the idea of what do they do with all their stuff? And as a move manager, a lot of times what we're doing is creating a situation for them that it might not be, hey, I need to move next week. Are you a mover? It's over the next two years, I really need to plan for downsizing and all the service menu that we have, we can tailor it and customize for what their needs are. So every single person is different. So that's really the basis of what Stress-Free Solutions is. You know, you mentioned about the two-year planning. I'm thinking of some clients we have, and you know, you're exactly right. It doesn't seem like people wake up one day and say, I'm going to downsize tomorrow. They think about it a year or two in advance. If someone is two years out, what's tell us about your process. How does it work? So really what we try to do is that stress of the, it's going to be happening in the future. What am I going to do with all this stuff? And my kid's going to take everything. What we try to do is say, don't wait for injury or illness to dictate the move. So then you're not a part of the conversation. So if we're going through the attic or whatever it may be, and you're going through memories of stuff, you don't want to just one day before the move say, all right, throw all this stuff away. Let's get going. So what we try to do is is create a plan and actually and do it on a timeline for their goals. So if their goal is they say they want to move, their goal right might really be, I want to live in an in-law suite at my son's house, sell my current house, get all this stuff taken care of, and I still want to live here for the next year or two, but I'm preparing to go through the organization and the downsizing. So we're putting it out where some clients might only use us once every three months. They say, I just wish that basement was cleared out. And my life would be so much easier if that basement was done. So I don't have to just either leave it for my kids or a situation where what they're doing is not a um, kind of a, the old saying like the tornado in a trailer park, where it becomes so 
just chaos and a mess at the end, it's best to do it slowly and have a plan going in the future. It's funny you say that because it makes sense to me now, too, when people think about doing it in advance. And I guess it's a control thing, too, right? So if I want to downsize, it's comforting for me to know that I can engage you to come in and I can control the situation, you're right, instead of me not maybe having my capacities to be able to make those decisions. So that's how do you find people are? Tell me about the emotional side of this, how you find it's best to handle folks during this kind of downsizing. So the emotions are the number one thing that we have to deal with. And it's a blessing and a curse where we could be there and we've got three guys or three ladies and we're ready to get some stuff done. And all of a sudden we get to that one bear that was their, their mother's bear. And there's an emotional breakdown and we have to stop. So we can't push them only as much, you know, we can give them little hint, tips and tricks, but we can't push them because everyone is so different. Where a lot of my, the reason like the ideas for this business came from my grandmother, where she took care of my great grandfather who had dementia, Alzheimer's. And she had, a, there was a 150 acre uh, farm with uh, generations of stuff to get through. So she sees me as the little kid still, no matter what, and her health was declining and she was so attached, like, no, this is my dad's stuff. I can't get rid of it. So here you have families of generations of stuff to go through and, you know, waiting until it's too late where eventually she went to uh, rehab and then saying, oh, well, you know, and how can you from rehab or into an assisted living situation tell people, oh, that thing in the China cabinet, that was special because of this and that. And, and every family is different where some family members don't care. They just don't want to be involved. They, you know, maybe the brother and sister, the brother cares or the sister cares and the other one doesn't. So for us, it's a situation where we're there as a resource to bridge that gap, where if the family members are out of state and don't really have the time or can take off work to be there going through the, you know, the back closet or the shed or the attic or whatever it may be, we're going through it piece by piece and sorting it where a square peg will never fit into a round hole. So if you have to, we actually do it on needs. So if you're taking your needs, you need your bed, you need your dresser, but do you need both China cabinets? But it's emotional to get rid of one because one could have been their, one of their moms. So it's just a process you got to take every client down through where some people have the mindset of throw it away, I don't care anymore. And other people really can't get rid of things. And it would seem to me that your team would really have to have some unique qualities. What do you find they're the qualities that your team has to possess to really walk people through these kind of emotional events. We're not therapists, you know, I stretch the imagination, but what we try to do is in the training aspect where we do senior sensitivity, you know, what to look for when you have, you know, dementia, things that someone could, I literally had it happen a hundred times. We can't take this dining room table. 10 minutes later, the client goes, I love this dining room table. This dining room table is going to go. And that patience is so key to be able to, you know, not be like, oh, I'm just so frustrated. All I want to do is move this table out of here, but we have to go at their pace. So we look for people who, um, it sounds cliche, but have a big heart and are willing to do the hard work because really what we're doing is it is physical hard work. Sometimes it's really emotional where, you know, I like to say you're crying on this shoulder and I'm packing with this hand as well. And I see a lot of my clients as my grandparents. So you get attached where you want to do well for them. So we try to find people and the ones that come in that may like talk good in an interview, say, oh, I care about older adults. If they really, you know, really quickly, we can weed them out to see who really cares about the job because doing a good job is doing a good job for the client. 
What kind of advice would you have if I live out of town and for my parents and I know I need to hire you or a service like you to downsize them? What advice would you give someone in that circumstance? First, I would say do your research. You know, look into the company, make sure it's not, you know, you're not hiring just a clear out or whatever that company may be and they have other skills. So if we don't do work, you know, in Texas, but if your grandmother's in Texas and you have no idea of the area, but you want to make sure that she's taken care of, vet the company, number one, and that working at home. And then what I'll also do is to really, if it's possible, when they first come into the home is to be there, where a lot of times uh, we always do a free consultation because every house is different. You could be a 900 square foot apartment and it could take us one day or five days, depending on how much stuff they actually have. Yeah. I mean, that's an interesting one. So I also saw on your website, you list staging services. Now tell me, how does staging different from the downsizing and, or how is that part of the process? So we don't stage in the terms of like bringing things into the house and staging it. What we do is a lot of times it's staging to live. And what I mean by that is, you know, going through a situation where you're selling your house and you have to live there while your house is being on the market can be very difficult for people where you get a call saying, hey, I need you to get out of here. But for an older adult, getting out might be tough. So we like to come in and declutter the home and make the home look as best as possible. So if the realtor says, you got to declutter these rooms and get it looking good, but they still have to live here for two more months, we like to stage that stage it so it still looks good and presents well to sell the house for as much as possible, but it's still their home and they're still living in there. And then sometimes people move out early and we're able to use their stuff and rearrange it and take things out and make it look as best we can. So I wouldn't say that we're like a designer stager on the old house. Mainly it's using their stuff in the best possible way we can. So the house will show, but nine times out of 10, the people are still living in the home. Now, when you have when people have their belongings, do you divide it up into certain type things, like different categories, so you know how you handle the items? Or, you know, I've always heard the story about keep, sell, and throw away. Is it just as simple as that? Or do you find it's a lot more involved than that? It is as simple as that, but it's really, it's a situation for, number one, it's their items. So we like to have a system put in place where if we're in the kitchen, for example, and they're moving to a place that's one third of the size. You know, it's easy to say, oh, you don't need two toasters or you don't need two waffle irons, but it's really going through and making sure that when they live there, that is their new home. If they've had the home for 40 years, they don't want to just move into a, um, what would be a, like a hotel. They want this to be, feel like home. So it's the new home items. Then it's the items, all right, what are you giving to the kids? What are you giving to the neighbors? Then what can we sell, you know, at auction? Then it's whatever the auction doesn't take. What is donatable? What what can we scrap? What can we shred the paper and get, keep as much as we possibly can out of the landfill? Sometimes items will go there, and you know the junk hauling kind of situation. But if there's a you know metal or whatever it is, we try to get it before it goes there and sell whatever they can. Because really, you know, when people start to downsize, they always go, "Well, I got rid of that extra bed over there. I'm downsizing." But really, it's kind of backwards. You want to go with what will fit in your home. Do the floor plan so you know these are the items that will fit. And then we have what we call is like the maybe piles, which I try to never do a maybe pile if I if I possibly can't. Maybe pile is: Do you want the curio cabinet or do you want the uh, Singer sewing machine? Both of them are not going to fit in this space. So what do you want more? So then you can develop what you want, and then everything else is just you know kind of secondary out of their mind. 
Well, it sounds like you have a real specific process and you've learned a lot from doing it. I've just picked up a couple things already here today. What kind of, you talk about moving items. Have you come across some really unique items and something unusual without, I don't obviously don't want you to violate anyone's confidentiality, but what kind of cool things or neat things have you come across helping people move out? So you name it, I've seen it, but I got two different things I'll go over. One of them was, it was a hidden money. So we had a client we found $10,000, you know, there was actually 20,000 total found where the husband for 10 years had dementia, was going to the bank, withdrawing money, hiding it in the house. And for 10 years, the wife was finding money and putting it back in the bank. So there was no ledger or record of what was in the house and what wasn't. So we're going through, we were finding it. It was like $2,000 would be in the chair. Then there'd be $1,000 underneath the rug. And then it would be, it was just the randomest places ever. Then we, the next day we come back and the family would have all the shirts and the clothing in these bags. And I go, did you look through all those clothes? They're like, yeah, we looked at them. I said, there's money pinned inside the clothes. It's everywhere. You have to go back through this. It's literally everywhere. So they were appreciative for us to, like, you know, we find money. We just stop and say, here's money. Same thing with guns. We don't touch guns. You know, here's a gun. Don't touch it. Uh, ammo and things. But the interesting stuff to me is I get attached to items as well. And that's, I'm getting better throughout. That's why I'm good at what I do. But you know, I always tell the story of my parents' house. I'm like, this is the face mask of the last football game mom I ever played. You can't throw this away. And that's just the kind of things in my mind. So I understand what they're going through. But some of the collections we find, like uh, Coca-Cola and owls or elephants or whatever they're into collecting and you, or clocks, and it's like times 10 what you ever think that someone would have as a collection. And then going even kind of jumping forward to like selling the stuff. If you're a collector of Coca-Cola, you're not going to buy someone's collection and go, okay, what am I going to do for the next 30 years? I've collected it all. You want to find that one piece that you found here and you want to you know, enjoy the world of collecting. But all this stuff, you're not going to buy someone's collection and go, all right, now what am I going to collect? You know, So we find so many weird and crazy stuff in, inside houses. Well, I got to tell you that money being pinned to the inside of clothes is a new one on me. That, <laughs> that is something. What kind of trends do you see in your industry and business in general? You've probably heard of the 10,000 people turn 65 in this country every day for the next like 18 years. So the American dream was to own a house and fill it. And that was the American dream. In our business, it's a lot of people who are retiring earlier that are the baby boomers that go, I'm going to retire at maybe 58, but I want to have that lock and leave lifestyle. I don't want to have to mow five acres anymore. I want to go travel the world, you know, not in the COVID world, but I want to go travel the world. And I don't want to have to deal with all the extras that come with owning a house. So that's usually, you know, 50% downsizing from there. But it's also a situation where the younger generation wants to live minimal. So it's a lot less that they're having. So when we go into a home and they've got six singer sewing machines and I take them to the auction and there's already 10 of them there, there's an entire supply and demand of the stuff that the younger generation really does not want. Now, now there's one-offs and there's things that are really hold their value and that are nice. But over the next 20 years, I believe that there's so many homes that are older than 25 years and people will live in these homes for a long time that are going to need help. And if you can stay in home in your home as long as you possibly can, that's great. Maybe it just might be, you know, sometimes we'll take the bedroom from the top and bring it down because now you live on the first floor. We'll do things inside the house, but really it's preparing for a plan of what are you going to do as you live in that home in their 70s and 80s? Eventually, that house has to be you know, gone through piece by piece. You're not just going to throw a match and burn the whole house down. So it, 
as people live longer and they go into these ho- houses in different living communities, I think there's a huge growth for our business and as well as just in the working with older adults in general. So you're seeing maybe people younger. Yeah, I mean, the perception would be, oh, this is a real elderly person's desire, but you're seeing people even much younger, huh? Engage your services just to want to really get organized and downsize. Like, so like a CCRC, a continuing care retirement community, you can go into those sometimes like 55. So there's people that want to go into that lifestyle where you pay an upfront cost or a monthly fee and you don't have to deal with the grass anymore or whatever it may be, but they're trying to retire. And even if they're going from a two-story house to a rancher, that is a downsize. But now that rancher might be a part of an HOA that cuts your grass. Well, I'm just using grass as an example. But it's a situation where when you're preparing for retirement and you're an empty nester, why do you need a five-bedroom house anymore? Or do you really want to tackle these stairs for the next 15 years? And it might not be just moving into adult communities. It could just be, I want to move into a smaller place that's more easy to manage over the next 15 years before something happens or and I do have to move. That's interesting. That's a good bit of advice. Good deal. So in light of the COVID-19 uh, pandemic, how are you finding your processes and the things that you have to do? How's your process and things changed? The business has changed in terms of uh, safety is now a priority. It's always been safety, but during flu is so much different than this COVID-19 situation where we never took our temperatures. You know, now we all take our temperatures before we all wear masks. You know, we clean the trucks out every day and we're trying to protect the most vulnerable, you know, our clientele. It was, I think 95% of our business was over 65 last year, you know, so the most vulnerable age group, and we don't want to go in these places. And also for us, so if the client said, oh, this is my house, we want them to also wear masks if possible to protect our employees as well as, as them. So when they do move into the adult community, it doesn't go through, you know, a hundred people there. So it, on one thing, it's scary because you can't see it the whole, you know, what every business is going through. And we have taken, you know, you know, we're essential in the terms of being have to do what we do, but it's just changed everything daily to really be focusing on safety. And I don't think this will ever go away. Even if they find a cure for the COVID-19, I think this is just a new standard. Yeah, I think you're right to a degree as well. I think you're right too. Ryan, it was great having you on the Plan to Retire podcast today. If somebody wanted more information about your company, how would they get that? Where would you suggest they go? So call the number 301-280-0170 or go to www.stressfreedownsizing.com. Okay, great. We appreciate you being here today, and I think you've given us a lot of good information. And for those listeners that want to get additional topics or things on our podcast, feel free to email me. Our email address is podcast at plan to retire, and that's the number two, podcast at plan to retire.com. Thank you for tuning into the Plan to Retire podcast. Head on over to plan to retire.com. That's the number two, so plan the number two, retire.com. To learn more, schedule a no-obligation introductory phone call or to subscribe to this free podcast on your favorite podcasting platform. We'll see you next time on the Plan to Retire podcast.